My goodness, I hadn't seen Larry Adair in a long time. There used to be some terrible football games in the afternoons um, on Sundays, and I'm remembering you got your leg broken one Sunday afternoon. Is that right? I thought it happened during the game. He's much older than I. And uh, I was there kind of watching the older boys and trying to stay out of their way when they did crazy things. But uh, anyway, uh, it's, it's wonderful. You guys are represented well under the Operation Ecuador umbrella. I just wanted to uh, pass out a flower or two to Dean. Uh, there are very few auditoriums or foyers that I walk into as we travel around speaking about Ecuador where you see Ecuador as soon as you walk in. Dean, thank you for helping keep that in front of the folks here and the way you represent us. Now, he has an empty car seat or two leaving Friday morning to come to Fort Worth to our annual stateside Operation Ecuador Summit. And he hasn't been able to recruit anybody to come with him. He's coming down, going to spend Friday noon to Saturday noon, I guess, the whole time, spend the night there. Uh, you might have to sleep with him if you come. He's probably only got one bed reserved, but uh, uh, he would love to have you come. We would love to have others of you come and see all of the scope of Operation Ecuador. We'll be doing a lot of reports, and there'll be a lot of encouraging speakers come in um, uh, to just encourage missions in general. So this is something we do every year. This year it's hosted in Fort Worth at the Southside Congregation. Actually, a congregation you ought to go down and just visit because of their incredible outreach to downtown Fort Worth and the, you might say, outcast people or street people, et cetera, et cetera, that they reach out to on a daily basis. They're in this old cathedral-type auditorium uh, in downtown Fort Worth. Many churches would have fled that and moved to the suburb. They stayed and they're ministering to these people and they are full on Sundays. I mean full, just like you're full pretty much here on Sundays. Lots of little kids, young families, professional people. It's incredible what God's doing there. So anyway, that's a little PR if you want to jump in uh, Dean's car Friday morning and come down with him uh, for that. It's something we do every year. Uh, the other thing is I might have crossed paths or we might have crossed paths with Harley. I didn't know he was going to, uh, to Missouri, we just got back from Missouri night before last from uh, the Abundant Living Retreat in Branson, Missouri. It's something every, I think it's second week of October each year. And if you're a senior, which we're just under the bar, Charlotte and I, so we get to go and I put up a booth and talk about Ecuador. But anyway, it's a senior retreat, four days, and they have a lot of preaching and singing, great fellowship, about 250 people. You have mornings full and nights full of spiritual activities, and then you have the afternoons free to do as you want to do uh, there in Branson. So if you're a senior, if, you're, if you qualify at Wendy's, come on to Branson, and it's a great, a great retreat. Uh, real encouraging uh, speakers, etc. I did a, I did a norm this morning. I got up at three, and uh, and kind of worked in my office and kind of brushed up on. You're going to say he didn't brush up good enough, but anyway, I I brushed up on what I wanted to say this morning, and uh, uh, and then and then went back to sleep at five o'clock. Between five and seven or whenever I woke up, uh, you have these weird dreams, you know. 
And so I'm, I'm here in your foyer. I'm, I'm in the foyer and everybody's mixing and talking. And in comes Harley. But he's, he looks like he's been living on the street. And uh, very unkept. And of course, I wasn't expecting. I got a text from him, an encouraging text last night. And I know that's why this happened. But uh, he, he was wanting you to know that he's missing being here. They are missing being here. And, and he wanted to tell you that he loved you. That's, that's his message to you. And so that was, I guess, fresh on my mind. And, and so here comes Harley in. But he looks like a street person. And he, he walks in. And I said, well, I didn't know you were going to be here. And he said, well, I didn't, I didn't want to miss a Sunday at Western Hills. <laughs> so, uh, so, so he's, he's this terribly unkept person, and I know he's always very well dressed. The thing was, he was taller. He was a tall version of Harley. Uh, I, I don't know why. You know, dreams are funny, but that, that's my dream. Uh, I don't know what's gonna, Harley, how Harley's going to present himself when he comes back. He, uh, he may have grown or something. If you have your Bible open to Romans chapter 8, while you're doing that, just for no other reason to come this morning other than just to say thank you for what you do for uh, the work in Ecuador, Uh, we very much appreciate that and we thank you for being our partners in Christ there reaching out uh, to the folks of Ecuador, uh, both uh, there as we train people in ministry and the work that's done uh, on the Cayapas River. Uh, we appreciate so much your partnering with us. We look forward to having a few more of your faces come down and visit. The other person that represents you well, I'm, I didn't finish a while ago, is Brynn. Everybody loves Brynn. Uh, uh, Brynn, if you miss a year, it's, it's going to be a real letdown uh, for everybody. They, uh, they always want to know if Brynn's coming. And uh, so she's, she's found a, a real fit there. Uh, working with the folks on the Cayapas and that particular group of medical people that go down. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Actually, I'm going to back up to 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of all those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called, and those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No 
In all these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow, what a blessing to be in the kingdom of God. What a blessing. And what a kingdom. What a different kingdom from comparing with those kingdoms that have been great kingdoms that we study about in the history of the world. The Roman Empire spread, if, if, depending on where you measure its borders and how it was in those days, you know, it was prophesied to be a kingdom of iron. Perhaps some 2,000 years of Roman Empire. The Spanish conquest of Latin America is one that I've enjoyed or been sad to study, but enjoyed understanding a little more. Those people who came there to conquer were called the conquistadores, which means the conquerors. But what did they bring? They brought death, they brought pillage, they brought enslavement. The people there don't even want to celebrate Columbus Day because it has no good positive remembrance for that country or for that continent. The British Empire, largest in history, over 458 million people, a fourth of the world's population and a fourth of the planet was controlled at one time by the British Empire. On a very sad note, the Soviet Union, from 1917 all the way to 1953, under two different leaderships, the latest and the longest, that of Stalin. What aggression. And perhaps up to 20 million people died from the horrific decisions of tyranny. Almost at the same time, on the same continent, from 90, 1933 to 45, as we well know, up to close to 11 million people died from the ethnic cleansings of Hitler. But God's kingdom, how different that is. How different it is when God speaks to Abraham and just picks out this man in Genesis, Genesis chapter 12, Abram as he's called at that point, and he, listen to what he says to him, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth are going to be blessed through you. Did you get tired of hearing great and blessed in that? <laughs> You're going to be a great nation. You're going to be a great man. And I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your nation. I'm going to bless those who bless you. Sounds like God's kind of behind Abram. And this promise that he makes to him. One to three million, I, we were not real sure, descendants of Abraham walked out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses and destroyed the power of the current Egypt, Egyptian empire. And they carried off most of their wealth and miraculously crossed the Red Sea on dry land. They were headed for the promised land. That land that had been promised to Abraham and they had waited some 400 years 
Food and water was miraculously provided for the people. Any aggression of any enemy was soundly defeated. The Amalekites came against them. Moses held up his arm, and as long as his arm was held up, they had victory. And then they helped him hold his arms up. Speaking of the theme that you guys are working on, that encouragement to stand beside someone, hold up their arms. They held up Moses' arms and built an altar after the victory and said, The Lord is my banner. They defeated the Amorite kings of Og and Sihon. And 40 years later, under the leader of Joshua, leadership of Joshua, the younger generation of that group of people crossed the Jordan River at flood stage. And they began the conquest of Canaan. And the words of God to Joshua were so true. And, and, and uh, from the promise to, the, to, to how it came about through seven years of battle, I'm going to give you victory everywhere you set your foot. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give to them. They come up against Jericho, a fortified city, incredibly strong, and the walls fall outward and God gives them the city of Jericho. As they come against those five kings, that alliance, at the, after some years of fighting, these five kings get together and think, we're going we're gonna to defeat these Israelites in our land. And God thinks, yeah, come on, bring it on. Bring it on. This is what we've waited for, a, a finale, we might say, a climax. And, and they have this incredible battle of these five kings, this alliance, and the, and the hailstones that God rained down from heaven only hit the enemy. Now imagine that. That's one of the most miraculous battles ever fought on the planet. The hailstones only hit the enemy. And got more fell from the, from the hailstones to their death than they died by the sword. The sun stood still that day to give them a complete victory. And they said, surely the Lord is fighting for Israel. Seven years, 31 kings in all are numbered as God fulfilled His promise to Abraham. But that promise kept on through the years, and, and He comes to David and extends His kingdom and His blessing. And the promise is renewed, and God says to David, Your house and your kingdom is going to endure forever. Your throne will be established forever. And David is just overwhelmed with what God is doing. Both what he's done in the past, the history that he's been told about, and, the, and, the, and, the, and, and what he's experienced in his, in his lifetime. Listen to David's words in 2 Samuel 7. How great you are, sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. And there is no God but you. And who is like your people Israel? The one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself and to make a name for himself and to perform great and awesome wonders to establish your people Israel as your very own forever. And you, Lord, have become their God. What a praise. In prophecy, the Roman Empire is prophesied to fall. But the God of heaven in Daniel chapter 2 is going to set up a kingdom that will always exist. It will never be destroyed. It will endure forever. With the coming of Christ, He's introduced as the King of Israel, the King from God. 
That's going to require some clarification, isn't it? A baby born in a manger. A baby born just like you and I to, a, to an impoverished family, just an everyday family. But God began His work. And finally, as His ministry is well into, into uh, its time, He gets His disciples around Him. And they say, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You're the one we've waited for. And He says, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus is just carrying on this prophecy that's been given to Abraham since long ago. But there weren't any preparations or revolution thought of. There wasn't any plans for war. There wasn't any racist talk. There's no stockpiling of weapons. There's no hateful rhetoric of any kind. In fact, Jesus says his kingdom's not of this world. My kingdom's not here. My kingdom is something that's going to go on, but it's only beginning here and it's going to last forever. He spoke about loving enemies. He spoke about doing good to those who mistreat you. He talked about turning the cheek when you're insulted. He said, be generous and self-sacrificing. And he said, in everything, think of others before yourself, placing yourself in last place. Choose the life and the attitude of a servant. He was constantly talking about the cross and the death that it would bear for him. He seemed so decisive, so sure about his purpose and direction in life. He knew where he had come from. He knew why he was here and he knew where he was going. And that allowed him to choose a road to Jerusalem. And he walked toward Jerusalem all of his life because he had an eternal appointment with death. He would suffer. He would die. But he knew that he would live again and that he would conquer over the power of sin and death. And as he taught, he would become that first grain of wheat that falls to the earth and gives itself up so that it can produce an abundance of fruit. You see, you and I are that fruit. We have such a blessing to be able to look back in history and not only see the fulfillment of that promise that was made to Abraham as it was opened up and revealed to the world, but know that we are the realization of that as we live here on this earth today. And so you see all that Jesus, all that God promised to Abraham, all that He promised to Joshua and to Moses and to David is true as it becomes a reality in our lives and in His church. That church that would never cease to exist. Just recently, there was a World Mission Forum in Austin. We weren't able to attend, but I'm told that the most exciting reports and the things that were shared there give proof that God's church is advancing in this world. And we may kind of feel like it's not happening here like it used to happen or like we want it to happen. But God's church is advancing. Now, there are more Christians throughout the world than there are here in the United States now. And praise God for that. And he continues to advance the borders of his kingdom. But you and I have to understand that we have been made more than conquerors. We are not survivors. 
We don't just exist. We have become more than conquerors in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because anyone in Christ has become a new creation. Anyone. That includes me. That includes Dean. (laughs) Every one of us. We become new creations in Christ. And for that reason now there is no condemnation for us. And as Jesus promised, He would send His Comforter, His companion to accompany us through life. Not to just be with us, but to live inside of us. And to walk with us through each day. To carry us on through the sanctification of God's people. Imagine. Imagine the presence. Can we believe it? Imagine the presence of a loving, caring, compassionate, protecting, all-powerful God who's constantly available to all those who are in Christ Jesus. One that fulfills that promise to Joshua, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And wherever you place your foot, you are going to have victory. You see, and that's why all things work together for good. For those who are in Christ Jesus, we are sons of the conqueror of the ages. And that's why nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Because He is bent on our salvation. Since before the creation of the world, He has dreamed about you and I. He predestined us to become His children. And what was told to Abraham has been revealed in His church and His covenant. That's why He says He's predestined us, because our destiny was predetermined. That's why He says He called us, as He did Abraham. He calls His people to walk in covenant relationship with Him. That's why He has justified us. He's cleansed His church with the blood of Christ, and we stand just as if we had never sinned. And He's given us back our innocence I don't know if you've thought about it. It's one thing to be forgiven. It's another to restore your innocence that you had. And that's why he says he has glorified us. Because just as the glory of God filled that temple of old in the the desert, as he, he led the people of Israel out of Egypt, his glory rests upon his temple of redeemed souls that he's called his church. And so comes his rhetorical questions. If God is for us, you remember what God we're talking about, folks? If God is for us, that God that gave them the food and the water they needed in the desert, the God that defeated all their enemies, the God that opened that Red Sea up and they walked across on dry land and then the Jordan, that God who rained hailstones and made the sun stand still. If that God is for us, who can be against us? That really matters. Who or what can separate us from the love of Christ? You know, there are tough times ahead for God's elect. He has redeemed His children and our brothers and sisters. Tough times. And if you haven't had tough times in your life, I'm not sure what planet you're living on, but it's coming. There are difficult times. So comes this question. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, and you can add whatever it is that's troubled your life or that will come in the future, can anything separate us from the love of Christ? 
Well, how about death? How about life? How about angels, demons, present tribulations, future tribulations, evil powers, height or depth or anything else that we could imagine? The answer is confirmed and sealed with the blood of Christ. No, nothing can separate us from the love and the presence of Christ Jesus in our lives. Folks, I just want to tell you that today, if you're not in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, that covenant term that talks about His dwelling among us or within us, you need to make that change today. You need to make the decision to place yourself in that ark of safety, that ark of God where the storms and the floods of life can't destroy you. But mostly you need to know that the rich blessing of the love of God in Christ can be yours. That blessing that was promised to Abraham so long ago. I'd like for all of you who have been immersed into Christ... And really all of you could stand. I'd like you just to stand now and listen to Peter as Peter encourages you. If you would put yourself, if it's possible, in a standing position because this is important. You see, Peter understood everything that I've been saying. And he writes in his first letter and he speaks to the Israel of God, who we are. These are his words. You, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness, into His wonderful light. Once, once you were not a people, but now you, we, are the people of God. Is that encouraging or not? Praise God for His work among us, for His patience, for the sacrifice of Jesus that made what we've experienced today possible around this table, and as we joined in song and prayer before His throne. If there's anyone that needs to come, would you do so while we sing?